Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. So glad that you've chosen to join us today. This program is brought to you live from Colorado uh, from the Grace FM radio network. So if you're listening on Grace FM right now, you are listening to a live broadcast as well as the Radio by Grace network, 22 states, 80 different stations. We want to welcome you guys onto our show today. And of course, our friends in Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio. We want to welcome you. You're listening to this one week delayed on the Hope FM, Truth FM, Truth FM and Higher Rock Radio. All that means is that you call during the show, you'll talk to the host live, you'll be on the phone with them just like you're on a phone call. Then next week, you can tune in to Hope FM, Truth FM, or Higher Rock and hear yourself on the radio. Uh, and one day, perhaps, we'll get the technology connected and all the pieces together to bring it live. But until then, uh, this one-week delay is working really well, and we want to welcome you. And again, uh, on this afternoon, we have a guest pastor sitting in with us, Pastor Josh Sorensen. Welcome, Josh. Thank you, Ed. So good to be here, and particularly careful or uh, you know excited to be here, but also um, I want to shout out Hope FM because that's my original home state, Pennsylvania, and I know they also reach New Jersey and Maryland. So anybody that knows me out there, just want to say hello, and it's great to be here with my pastor. Somebody said that they heard your voice and you sounded like you're from Philly. Is that What does a Philly person sound like? Well, if you hear me say used guys, that's a clear, uh, you know, clearly I'm from Philly if I say that. If I speak about cheesesteaks, you know, there's, there's a few things I could drop and, that would give and, a hint. And let's just settle it right now, Josh. The best cheesesteak place in Philly is the best cheesesteak place. And I know that this is controversial. So for people that are listening, um, but the best cheesesteak place in Philly, well, you mentioned John's roast pork. So that is, that's, that's probably Somebody one of the top there ones. on the conference. Okay. Yeah. So John's roast pork is up there for sure. Uh, I would say one of the top ones. You said number two. I did say number two. I'm, I'm, give me a second because I'm drawing a blank on my favorite cheesesteak place there. I can't believe I'm forgetting, but I will. Jimmy John's? It's not, it's not Jimmy John's. Subway. Subway. <laughs> All right. Well, while you're looking that I, up. I, okay. I'm sorry. I remember. It's Angelo's. We're going to turn the phones on and we're going to open up the phone lines. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Phone lines are open and ready to go. Text me. 720 and if you have an alternative view of the best cheesesteak in Philly, or, and you, we welcome that feedback, or you want to direct uh, Josh to the best cheesesteak in the Denver metro area <laughs> so that he can pick up and uh, kind of have a taste of home, he would love to hear that recommendation as well. Because there is one that we go to on Arapahoe Road. Um, they just moved it. And I can't remember the name of it. Marie's going to have to help me. 
excellent. I think you would like it. They even have those little tasty cakes there. Well, okay, I'll try it. Right. But but the best <laughs> cheesesteak place in Philly, Angelo's in South Philly. All it's right. about it's about a block away from from the uh, Arts Center, so it's it's worth it. We'll have to Good. try it out sometime. Ed, we'll you have and to I go back. I'd together. love to go back. I haven't been out there in a long time. So welcome to the program. We're live. Pastor Josh is here with us. He's sitting in on some shows. He'll be hosting uh, soon enough uh, as he learns the ins and outs of the system so you can get used to Pastor Josh's voice and wisdom as he joins me in answering questions and talking about things that are relatable to you listening in, especially our friends in Philly. So thanks for pointing that out. And we've got friends all around the country. Uh, We're grateful to be a very small part of the big work that God's doing in your life. And in my hand here, I have a letter uh, from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I just opened today uh, from a man by the name of Michael. And of the many things that Michael wrote to me about, Michael asked this. He said that he would like us to pray for his wife who has cancer. And she had it removed, um, but a week later they found more. So he says, uh, would you please pray for her on air live radio so everyone will pray if you could have your church and a prayer group pray for her. And so, Michael, I know that you're incarcerated uh, and you've been there for a couple years. And I, uh, we did get your letter. I do have it in my hand. I am reading it. And we are going to honor uh, because you're not forgotten and neither is your family. Uh, and as you pay your debt to society, I know that God hears your prayers even in a jail cell. You know, some of the greatest writings that ever took place uh, in uh, mankind came from a man in prison uh, by the name of Paul. And so we want to honor your request here. Um, There's a lot of ways we get prayer requests, but sometimes we get a physical letter. And so I want to pray for Mike's, for Michael's wife. Father, we pray for Michael's wife right now. We we know that uh, he loves her and desires her to be cancer-free throughout her body. And we are grateful, God, that the doctors could find the cancer, uh, remove it uh, through surgery. And now, God, we pray for the clean scans and the clean tests. And even as Michael's not able to be with her, he can be with her in one way by praying for her and and getting uh, many around the country to pray. And so I, I also ask, God, that you would give him comfort and strength as he awaits the, the results uh, from his wife's tests. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Uh, you can always send uh, your letters to the uh, radio station here, uh, Grace FM, one East Hampton Avenue, Aurora, 80013. But you can go to gracefm.com for information on that. And the answer to the per- to the cheesesteak here is Pat's. Pa- Pat's is one of the most popular places to go. But no, it- here in Denver. Oh, oh, Pat's there's here. A- so yes. there's. Oh, yes, okay. Yes, well, yes. you know what? We'll see. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll look see. forward to you taking me there. Ed. Yeah, I can't wait. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Wait for payday, and you can take care <laughs> yeah. of it for us. I'll, I'll drive. What is it? I fly. You fly you buy. by. Yeah. <laughs> 303-690-3000 is the number. We've got open lines here waiting for you to call. Text me, 720-336-0897. We're going to head right to Denver. Uh, Aiden, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? 
I'm doing uh, I'm doing all right. I had uh, had a quick question for you. Um, I believe guys calling me to fast, and I am having a extremely difficult time um, doing it, especially since um, you know I still live at home and uh, my uh, I I get great meals at home, and sure. you know I've been planning for some meals uh, for a little bit now, and you know my favorite foods are being made this week, and I felt like God was calling me to fast this week, and uh, I don't know. I'm just having a difficult time, and I was wondering if you had any advice. Yeah, I think that um, all the food being cooked and all the opportunities for foods that you like coming at a time where God has laid upon your heart the desire to fast doesn't surprise me, number one. Um, And number two is calling you to resist temptation. That's the whole point of fasting. The whole point of fasting is the giving up and and a biblical fast, a true biblical fast. Generally, when that word is used, uh, it's referring to a complete fasting of food uh, with the intake of water. And over the years, there's been different fasts developed uh, that would include uh, different types of food and meals and, and all those. And I think God honors that for sure. But a full fast, one that you only take water and you eat nothing for a period of time, is really the general biblical definition of fasting. The fact that now you got all the smells and all the food, not just smells, but it's like right there in front of you, um, that... That doesn't surprise me. It, it's the temptation to not um, to not follow through with a, a a leading of the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you to do it and to say no to your favorite foods, uh, to set an appointed time, um, to start it, and then at the end of it, and then maybe um, if you're still living at home, and what you mean by that is that your mom cooking for you. Yeah, so why don't you say, I'm going to fast today's Wednesday. So, Mom, um, I'm going to fast Thursday and Friday, but it would be really nice if you cooked my favorite meal on Saturday where I can break the fast. And that way you get a best of both worlds and something to look forward to, but you really resist temptation Thursday and Friday. Yeah, uh, I understand that. And it's just, I, I always feel like he calls me to fast at the most inconvenient times. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I'd like you said to a point that that's probably that's probably why. So I uh, have to rely fully on him. If it was videos I didn't like, it'd probably be a little easier. I think I think it's super important that you recognize that, and I'm glad that you do because every time, every big step of faith and big step of obedience. There is a temptation to view it like an inconvenient time, and that's the time you want to press in all the deeper and all the more. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because my wife and I just talked about this a little bit earlier today, and then we've we've been choosing a particular day during the week that we're fasting over a couple of things in particular. And I think you're right, Ed, you mentioned it. So often the focus be, can become, um, uh, you know, the, the lack of food. And when you're told not to think about food, all you think about is food. <laughs> so uh, the purpose, of course, of fasting, as you said, Ed, is, is to take your eyes off of the things of the world, to completely focus on God. Um, one of the things I think I'm, I'm, I'm learning through fasting as well is that uh, my appetites don't control me. I, I've actually been given the ability by the Lord to control my appetites. And my appetites could be food. It could be other things. Um, and a lot of times our appetites are not good things. So it's, I think it's a great way of learning that um, my flesh doesn't have final say of my life, that I can speak uh, and, and control my flesh and my appetites 
but of course, fasting and prayer, you always see those linked together in Scripture. So there's no point in fasting unless we're taking that time to really direct our prayers uh, and, our, and our attention back onto the Lord. It's not easy, but I don't think it's intended to be easy. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds, sounds like something uh, you would want. So uh, I appreciate it. And so, yeah. Hey, thanks for, um, thanks for calling and call us back next week and tell us how it went, good or bad. Okay. All okay. right, buddy. I appreciate it. Bless you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number taking your calls and your questions you can also text us uh when the when we're looking to w- when we're waiting for calls to come in we can turn to our text line and read these texts and answer or pray for these texts that come in here is an urgent prayer request. A baby boy Townsend five, was born five weeks early, having a difficult time breathing and throwing up. So we pray, God, for little Townsend, uh, that you would strengthen his little body. I can think of so many times visiting the NICU and watching the unbelievable, almost supernatural strength of these babies to persevere, to get through great adversity uh, with all these tubes and everything coming out of them and inside of them. And I pray for little Townsend, for all the doctors and the precious nurses that are ministering, serving him, uh, so, many of them believers, some of them just um, this is the, just watching you intervene uh, is one of the ways that you're drawing them to yourself. And so I pray for Townsend. I pray, God, that you uh, would lead them to a great victory and he would leave the NICU stronger in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to head down to Colorado Springs. Stephen, welcome to the program. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Pretty good. So my question is the controversy of um, Scripture is not supposed to be in the Bible. Okay. And it's on John chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. Yes. Yeah, I think that you, what's your question, first of all, before I answer what I think you're My asking? Question, so I I got friends and families that are JWs. Yes. And they said it's not supposed to be in there. And it's like, but it's in there. And I've read it so many right. times. And I actually like that because a lot of people think it's writing, it's drawing a line in the sand. I'm like, no, sure. he's writing in the sand. Yeah, you, no. so the general answer to your question is that there are two sets of manuscripts that have been used to bring about our translations today, because that's what you're reading, that's what I'm reading here. In the, if I have, I have a New King James here, which is a translation, and the translation is from one of the sets of manuscripts. I want to say that there is the Textus Receptus, and the West Westcott and Hort, I think, is the other set of manuscripts. And the prevailing thought behind that is the older the manuscript, the more authentic it is. Uh, and and so there's r- many reasons why scholars question. Uh, one, um, the Westcott and Hort trend. So if you're reading the, NI, the NLT or the NIV, uh, most of the modern translations use the Westcott set of manuscripts. It's not in there. Um, it's also not found in some of the old Coptic and Syriac, Syriac um, manuscripts. Um, there's 
no mention of this section for 11 uh, centuries of Christianity, um, and it's not even cited by many of the church fathers, including Clement, Tertullian, Origen, um, and many people look at the flow and everything um, to to say it just doesn't fit what John was saying. However, it is in some manuscripts, uh, and and so the Textus Receptus, which is what we have, our King James and the New King James. Now, the reason I really like the New King James is not necessarily the sentence structure, because it still has a form of archaic sentence structure that's tied to the Old King James. But what I like about it is it has it uses both manuscripts and footnotes these types of things. So in John 8, you'll see a little footnote at the bottom of my Bible that explains this to us. Uh, and so the, the fact that it is included in some manuscripts um, would give us credibility that it's there. It's not, it doesn't contradict anything else in the scriptures. It does speak to the character and the nature of God and how he relates to others. Uh, and so people take a, um, people take a different approach um, depending on what manuscript evidence, but again, it has such a great insight on how God, how God through His Son Jesus, deals with radical sin and and gives radical grace. Um, that it definitely fits the narrative of who Jesus is. And although it's not mentioned in many manuscripts, um, and the West Common Horde is probably, um, I have a note here. It's the Nestle Alan text that's used by the UBS um, that. Uh, it, it the the manuscripts that it is mentioned in that's why it's in uh in the ASV in the King James the um and actually it is in the NIV they included it footnoted it so what what question does your Jehovah Witness family member really need answered they don't believe in the Trinity, so I'm not really worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, really, I, I do think any any question, of, and that's the, that's one of the ways that you can minister to the to any JW or to any person caught up in a cult is to have an answer to every question they have because they don't, they don't have an answer, and they take you back to you know five or six different proof texts on everything that they teach, and if you answer them on that, then they'll take you back to their organization. So I think we as believers have an advantage of really speaking to whatever question they're asking. And so do you think there's an underlying question? Because, you know, even in the text that Jehovah Witnesses accept, they accept the King James. It's in the King James. You do, and um, so I, I work with one, and then um, my brother's one. So yeah. we're trying to, and we were, we were like, when we're at work, we're not supposed to do politics or religion. Sure. But they picked my brain, and I just asked that the Lord will fill me with the Holy Spirit and give yeah. me the right words to speak while speaking to them. That's right. You know, because it's not my will, it's God's will. That's right. So when they come to me like that, we were reading out of the Bible, and that came up. I yeah. said, well, John 8, verse 1 is right here. He goes, well, mine starts in 12. And I was like, well, here, check it out. And we started reading it because we were talking about the writing in the sand. He said it was just drawing a line in the sand. I said, no, God was writing in the sand, and he was ignoring them. I said, I've read that passage plenty of times, and it always says, wrote in the sand. And then he bows down, and he goes back down, and he continues to write in the sand as if he wasn't listening to them. And, you know, and he's like, wow, well, I got to go talk to my elders about that. I was like, okay, well, good. why don't you just ask God? <laughs> 
to show you the path instead of asking another man. Well, because they've been trained to do that. And it sounds like you have really used the text in such a way to draw other questions out, which is very good um, because if he continues to dialogue with you and you continue to be used of God in drawing questions out, um, it eventually he's going to meet people that can't answer the question and it's going to really trouble him. It's going to greatly trouble him. It's like um, if he's right in the sand, how do we know if he's not right in their sins and they don't look down and see their own sin right in front of their face? You know, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But there's a good indication that whatever he's writing was so strong in its factual uh, information that it caused them to walk away. And brought. it says, those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one beginning with the oldest uh, to the and Jesus was left alone. So we know what he was writing on. It says he wrote, he stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Whatever he was writing down, it was used as a tool to bring conviction to their hearts. Yeah, it was. All right, yeah. man. God bless you, bro. Right. God bless you, too. All right. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Here, Josh, here's something to think about. Yeah. Uh, text question came in. Mm-hmm. What is biblical about the Christmas tree? What's biblical about it? That's a great question. And he also offers, or what is biblical about leaving out cookie and milk offerings? Uh, other than the gift of giving? Um, that's a great question that, yeah, I'm not sure what would be biblical about cookies and milk and Christmas trees. Um, I, I think that obviously there's a lot of people that talk about the history of Christmas and are some of these things from pagan occultic backgrounds. So there's, there's people that are concerned about that. Um, I've, I've been aware of, but I've, but I've not heard of specifically anything biblical about it. Yeah, so not knowing whether this is a legitimate question or not, I mean, it did come through, um, kind of the milk offering and cookie offerings kind of makes it sound like the original question wasn't really a um, a real one, but let's just take it as real. Sure. Um, the, 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 I, I think at the, the second part of your question, any cookie and milk offering, if that was the intent of putting cookies and milk out, then... Uh, as some offering to a pagan god, if that's, I mean, I, I don't know who else you would offer it to, a pagan god or a real god or a false god, um, which would be a pagan god, then the, there, there are absolutely no roots whatsoever um, in leaving cookies and milk out. Neither is there any root to the caricature of Santa Claus as we know it today, even though you can take Santa Claus and go backwards to a historic Christian man by the name of St. Nicholas the caricature today that was created by Coca-Cola has no basis in reality, uh, no factual roots, no biblical roots. You have to go back a few centuries of what that character was inspired from a real man, first of all. Number two, uh, the Christmas tree as we know it today has no root, has no roots in, in the Bible whatsoever. Not even what people try to make Jeremiah say, bringing in a tree and decorating it and sacrificing to false gods. If you're sacrificing to false gods, 
then I guess a tree in your house, uh, similar to a uh, bush or a, a plant, if you're sacrificing the false gods to it, then I guess you can tie it to the passage in Jeremiah. Uh, but Christmas trees were first introduced to the United States around the mid-1700s as Ju- German Im- immigrants crossed the Atlantic to a land of new hope and freedom. And like a lot of American customs, European roots played a key role in the classic American Christmas that we know of uh, today. And you can look at a lot of different thoughts of what the tree might represent Um, But the idea of it becoming a tradition uh, as it it relates to the modern day um, exchange of gifts around Christmas time, I would agree with Josh. There's a part of the Christmas tree itself, not necessarily the milk and cookie section, but the Christmas tree itself, like Josh said, would, would be a symbolic tool to remind us of the joy of giving, both giving and receiving of gifts. Uh, and there's even debate on the essence of Christmas as it relates to its pagan roots or what part of pagan roots that it might have. Um, but today, uh, that has really no uh, direct relation to paganism today, um, very much like our modern-day calendar has very little um, connection to the first century paganism of Rome, even though we come to church on Sunday or wake up on Monday, um, going through days of the week being named after pagan gods, you know, separated by thousands of years, uh, it's lost its paganism uh, and it's more become tradition or um, become something that is celebrated. But the essence of every believer I've met true essence of Christmas, whenever and wherever it's celebrated, is a celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, and I would say this too, I think there are people that, uh, this is a conscience issue for some people, I actually talked to somebody, I was pretty surprised to hear that she does not have a Christmas tree in her home. Uh, and and part of this is because she was concerned about some of the pagan roots. So we did get to talk a little bit about this, but uh, but I think about what Paul says, you know, he he mentions in Romans 14, uh, when it comes to the, the day of worship, we worship on Sunday, uh, that one man considers one day more sacred than another, another man considers every day alike. But then he gives a little bit of explanation there. He says, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so as to the Lord. So I just think there, some of this is a, is a matter of, of conscience. And, um, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, whatever we do, do it to the glory of the Lord. So in our home, we, we do have a Christmas tree. We have not done milk and cookies, um, but for us, it's, it's a way of celebrating the birth of Jesus in the context and tradition of what we do here in America. But for my neighbor, if my neighbor is concerned and it's something that bothers my neighbor because they are concerned about any pagan roots, um, I think that that's a matter of conscience. I'm not any better uh, or any worse if I do or don't have a Christmas tree. And that's something Paul, I think, gives us a little bit of area when it comes to some of these these gray areas that we can we can work through some of these things together. That's a great follow up because the person that texted in re- responded, it is real. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I forgot to finish my question. I was struggling with this during Christmas. And so you that are listening uh, we don't get the names when you text in, so unless you share it with us, we don't know your name. Um, but the person texting in, Josh just answered that piece, that struggle uh, where, you know, there's freedom in these areas uh, as unto the Lord. So um, thanks for texting in. 303-690-3000 is the number. That's to get on the air with us. 303-690. We're going to hold our 
uh, calls to the, after the break because we're coming up on um, on the first and only break of the program. And again, we want to welcome everyone listening live on Grace FM Network, on the Radio by Grace Network, also listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, and Higher Rock Radio. Uh, we are grateful uh, to join you. We also got a text question, or excuse me, a, a text response here real quick that said, um, great answer, Joshy boy. Huh, that sounds like it could be somebody from Philly. Uh, it actually is someone from Fredericksburg. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love my Fredericksburg family. Yeah, I, I heard that. No matter heard, what they call me. I heard they love you very much. Uh, <laughs> 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls and your questions. Pastor Josh Sorensen is in studio with us today as he is joining me and we are teaming up together to answer your questions, to encourage you in the Lord. And you hear the music. Uh, We are going to be back after a real quick break, so stick with us. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the second half of today's edition. Last week, we were snowed out, uh, and the snowstorm uh, wasn't that significant. But the way things have been going here with the temperature and late at night and the ice, and uh, we decided to uh, close the offices and create a safe environment, which meant if the offices were closed, uh, we weren't able to have a live production of the program uh, with everyone not being here. But we're back live now, and it did snow this morning, but nothing of significance, and we're grateful to be here. And that means across the country. So we're on the Radio by Grace Network and Grace FM Live right now. Uh, Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, you're listening to a one-week delayed program. But all that means is you can call while the show's on, and you'll get a live host, and we'll talk to you on the air live to everyone listening live. And then on Hope, Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, you'll then be able to listen to yourself on the radio in the following week. 303 It looks like we're going to head over to Ivan. Ivan in Denver, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Pastor. Hey, buddy. And welcome, Pastor Josh. Thank you so much, Ivan. Uh, Pastor Ed, I'm uh, moving to Pueblo. Yes. And uh, I just wanted a prayer request. I've been going to your church there for a couple of years. Yes, now. God's been doing a great work in your life. Definitely. And uh, I just wanted to say thanks. And I just wanted a prayer request. And I bought a house. Uh, and and uh, I just wanted to like say thanks and uh, maybe get a prayer request for my new home. And, you know, maybe a, an offering for anybody that's, comes in, uh, you know, a welcome, a blessing Sure. For, for the home. Yes, let's do that. Father, thank you for the privilege of serving Ivan these last couple of years and just seeing the progress in his own walk, his growth, 
just thinking about him, God, we're so grateful he's leaving here stronger than when he first came. And it's the work of your Holy Spirit. It's the substance of your word and uh, pastors like Josh serving him and ministering to him. And I've had a privilege of serving him, Lord, so thank you for that. And we're grateful as he moves to a new location, uh, being able to have a home. God, we pray your blessings upon this home. We pray, God, that everyone that crosses through the doors of the threshold would be blessed in their coming and in their going. I pray, God, that this new home becomes a base of ministry and opportunity through the Ivan's life. Maybe a home Bible study or um, the ministry that's going to be going on through his friendships and his family, that it truly would be, even though it's just um, you know wood and concrete and glass and siding, it, it's more than that. It's a location on the planet Earth, God, that is dedicated to you. Uh, and we know you can't be contained uh, in buildings like that, but we know, Lord, that you dwell in us and you dwell in my brother Ivan. And I just look forward to hearing great fruit from his life as he continues to live by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor. All right, brother, stay in touch. I'll see you tonight. All right, bye-bye. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Uh, taking your calls and your questions. Let's head over to... Where are we headed now? Jacob in Kentucky. Jacob, welcome to the program. Hey, Jacob, are you with us? I am. Yes, sir. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, yes, my question was uh, about John six thirty seven. Um, you know, it says whoever the Father sends to me, I will no means cast out. I was just wondering, is that uh, are we predestined? Are we? automatically either going, you know, to heaven or hell based on that verse. And if not, um, when it says uh, he will know me and cast out anyone who comes to him, regardless of what you've done, um, he will bring, you know, you can be saved. Yeah, we we are predestined. The Bible is very clear on that. Um, predestination, by definition, means to determine beforehand and marking out and appointing. And God is the creator of the universe. Uh, it's his um, prerogative to predetermine the destiny of every person who believe in him. And he alone knows that the Bible says, and there's a key verse when it comes uh, to predestination, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, that God predestines according to his foreknowledge. So he has something that you and I don't have. Uh, he has the ability to know the end from the beginning. Uh, and And so we believe what the Bible teaches in predestination. However, in wrestling with such a weighty doctrine over the years, uh, people have wrestled and added to it and, and said, if this is true, then this must also be true. And to some extremes, they've eliminated the ability of, of man making a free will decision. And they've interpreted predestination as that the predestination that is referred to in some circles of theology means that you don't have a choice in the matter. You're either predestined to heaven or even worse, you're predestined to hell, uh, like you don't have the ability. And I don't believe, I don't believe uh, in double predestination. Um, I don't believe that there are those predestined to heaven and those predestined to hell. Otherwise, God would be a debtor and he could be blamed uh, for someone going to hell because he didn't, there was no opportunity and no chance and no, like, no way. You'd have to reinterpret so many other things that Jesus taught that he came to die for the sins of the world, um, not just the sins of a few, but the sins of the world. And so, you know, you might hear the arguments between Calvinism, Arminianism, 
which are two man-made doctrines, basically, that's come, um, I want to say, 1500s, 1600s, I don't remember exactly, probably 1500s. Um, but that's too bad they get all the attention because there's a third option, and that is God both predestines and man also has a choice. That's a, There's a third option when you're talking about these things. And so if you're interested, I taught a full Bible study on this to try to give a balanced approach to the doctrine of predestination. Uh, I can send you a link to it uh, if you'd like to listen to it. Absolutely. Uh, and when he says that by no means he, anybody who comes to him, he won't cast out. Uh, basically saying regardless of what you've done or anything, you, there's always a chance to to be saved, correct? Or am I misinterpreting that as well? No, you're absolutely. Anyone that comes to him has been drawn to him by the Father, and anyone that comes to him, he won't cast out. And I love the way that you, one of the implications of that glorious truth is that no matter what you have done, the blood of Jesus Christ can forgive you of that sin. Josh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I was just thinking about the beauty of that 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 verse, the fact that God has told us no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what our background is, he will receive anybody and everybody that comes to him by faith. And so somewhere in the mystery of all of this, God both predestined that person, but we also know that God has given the person an invitation. Whoever believes on me will be saved, right? And so there's there's both our part and there's God's part. God clearly is the only one that saves us. Uh, he's the one that's done that's the right. work and accomplished that. And, and again, the beautiful part is that he's done that for everybody. He's made available salvation to every person in the world, no matter what they've done. Uh, it's our choice then to receive the gift of salvation in Jesus. And I used the illustration when I taught through this, that the free will of man, the choice that we have, and the sovereignty of God are two truths that are held in tension. Uh, and the illustration, I didn't make it up. I picked this illustration up from someone uh, like the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, it relies on tension to hold itself up. Without tension, there is no bridge. And I think without the tension of things that we don't fully understand, um, we lose sight of the faith that's required in following God. And the sovereignty of man, or excuse me, the free will of man cooperates with the sovereignty of God. And the point of cooperation is a mystery. It's not fully revealed to us, but God has demonstrated his love toward us. And yet, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. But you know something else that God demonstrated through the death of Jesus Christ? He demonstrated that he's willing to condescend to the level of man to reach man. And actually, it happened before the cross. That's the final culmination and the proof of God's love. But in the incarnation, and even before the incarnation, God dealing with creation in the Garden of Eden, going after broken Adam and Eve, reveals to us that God in his supremacy and his holiness and his righteousness is able to condescend to the level of man and respond to man's choices like a, a hard-line view of predestination would say that Adam and Eve in their sin were dead and had no way to interact with God. But that's not possible. They did interact with God in their sin, in the covering. They, were, they had an, like dead people have no acknowledgement of anything. But Adam and Eve, they knew very much that they had sinned because they tried to cover themselves. They tried to run away from God. And as our our you know historic grandmother and grandfather or even our historic parents the idea that dead means no connection with god spiritually dead means you can't do anything falls so short um because jesus told 
um, unbelievers that they're always resisting God. And a dead person can't, if, if according to some theologies, a dead person can't, res, can't respond to, the, to an invitation from God, then in the same breath, they have to say that a dead person can't resist either, which I don't know that they're willing to, to go that way. So email me, I'll send you my notes. And uh, it's, it's a profoundly simple Bible study, but one I think takes an approach that will help you understand it from more of a biblical point of view. Exactly, because I've called in before struggling, thinking I commit uh, unpardonable sin, and you've, you've gotten yeah. it through that. And I've, I've read this verse, and it really spoke to me, saying, regardless, if you come to me, he won't cast you out. Yeah. So that's very, very reassuring to me. Well, can, can I ask you a hard question? Do you think you're ready for a hard question? Uh, absolutely. Okay, so I don't want any details if this is a positive, and we'll we'll take the rest of the call off the air. But have you done something that you need to report to the police? Uh, no. Okay. Um, so when my grandmother uh, passed away, uh, my mom told me um, she had a vision of the Lord uh, bringing her up to heaven. And very ignorantly, I said, you know, I don't think that is God. It may be the devil tricking you. Mm-hmm. And when I seen that, you know, blasphemies, when you say something of the Lord is yeah. of the devil, that's, you know, that's what they did. I, I've been convicted that. I okay. spoke it, I, I uttered it, and said what was a holy, uh, you know, gift of God. I compared it to the devil and been struck in ever since. Okay, that, I think I remember some of the phone call. I was I, Did I make the distinction for you, the, the difference between the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and blasphemy in and of itself? Yes, sir. Yeah, they use the same word, but the context is different where the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a wholesale rejection of Jesus. But, you know, we can say things. I mean, I think anyone that's ever gotten mad at God and shook their fist, there's a form of blasphemy in that, where we are speaking negatively of God when we know him to be true. But it's an emotional, there's an emotional side to that. And I was thinking of Paul the Apostle. Um, I don't, um, he describes himself as once being a blasphemer. Uh, Let me look that up here, when he says, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, that's First Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. So, so he, we have evidence in the scriptures that blasphemers can be saved and can be forgiven. Amen. Well, I really appreciate you helping me. Um, again, you know, to some people it might not seem a lot, but when you think you've done the only thing that's unforgivable and somebody who loves the Lord, it it definitely weighs on you. So you, you've helped me so much, Pastor. So I'm really very grateful for you. Well, thanks for calling, brother. You have a good one. Okay, Thank bye-bye. You. 303-690-3000. You know, um, I would say, Josh, one of the men, uh, there's a, min, a man in the Bible I relate to and also a man in our little family of churches uh, that I relate to. The man in the Bible is Saul of Tarsus, mm-hmm. Paul Apostle. Uh, there's a lot of things I don't relate to him. He was very intelligent, very studious, very well-educated. Not that part. But when he starts talking about being a blasphemer, I was a blasphemer. Uh, a persecutor, although not like him, I did make fun of Christians. Uh, I, have, I, I have memories, even though I don't have a complete memory of everything I ever did. There are memories stuck where I remember um, uh, hurting a man because he was reading the Bible knocking a Bible out of his hand, ripping pages out of it. Unbelievable. What was I thinking? I I was drunk is what it was. Um, And then Paul says, I was an insolent man. Insolent can mean violently angry. 
And that certainly described my life. Uh, and then, of course, a blasphemer. I mean, that the, the reality of blasphemy, um, everything out of my mouth, it seemed like, uh, was blasphemer. But um, for Paul, he did it ignorantly in unbelief. I mean, I don't know so much ignorantly, but I definitely did it in unbelief. Um, and I also f- received the forgiveness of God. It's powerful when thinking about these, these men and women, both, that God has used in Scripture. All of them had issues. And I think, you know, I look at a lot of the weaknesses of, of different Bible characters and think I can see myself in that person. I can see that in me. Um, but what's so wonderful, I was thinking as, as we were talking about this and, and processing this, God, you know, says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. And so everybody has the opportunity to accept Jesus and this beautiful um, salvation gift. Um, but those that don't, that is ultimately the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, because you have to step over the cross of Christ and reject that offer that he's given to you. Yeah. Um, and so uh, with that being said, anything beyond that, when you look at the life of Saul or you look at the life of uh, you know, David and some of the sin that these men had in their lives, I'm just so thankful that God's not willing that any should perish, no matter what we've done, where we've been, what we've said, uh, the crimes that we've committed. Uh, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Amen. that, to me, is what makes me excited about being a Jesus follower. And we can follow in confidence. Like, there's an assurance that it's the grace of God. It's not by our works, not that we cleaned up our life, but it's the work of God inside of us that comes through us. And then the the other brother... Uh, that inspire me is Raul Reese, you know, thinking of what an angry man he was and what a delivering power of God. Uh, and we need that. We need biblical answers, the hall of faith of all that God has done in Hebrews and all throughout the scriptures. But also we need human examples. I mean, they're very helpful to say, man, if God can save him, then maybe God can save me. And the answer is yes. If you would come to him, he would absolutely save you when you repent of your sins and acknowledge your need for God, and choose to follow him. Yes. All right, let's uh, head over to Longmont now. Stan, welcome to the program. Um, uh, Saturday night, uh, we had a birthday party, and uh, they, uh, three of the people that went to the birthday party left um, real late at night. They went out afterwards, and they're coming home from Lafayette to Longmont. They got in a bad car crash. Um, mm. um, Aaliyah, Ramon, and um, oh, I can't remember. Uh, I always forget her name. Um, anyway, they got in a wreck, and uh, they need our prayers. And they're all in ICU. One's in Loveland. Two are at Good Samaritan. And, uh, yeah, they just need our prayers. And, and when I left the birthday party, I got spared from that ice. I slowed down to wait for a family member. And two seconds, three seconds in front of me, a truck lost control going the other way. Mm and almost hit me and my grandkids wow. at like 50 miles per hour. So I just want to thank God for yeah. protecting me and, and uh, give a prayer for these three uh, young, young adults. They're all like 21, 22. Yes. Well, Father, we thank you for sparing Stan, uh, just all the timing of everything. We don't always have, um, we don't always know what is going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. But we look back at times and see your hand of protection, um, and we're grateful for that. We can also look back at these other three where your hand of protection was not there, not in the way with Stan, but also protecting them from far worse damage. We do accept that, and we do receive that. I'm thankful for the the blessing of modern medicine, modern technology, 
We just pray for them, Lord, that they would get out of critical condition, that because they're so young, their bodies would bounce back quickly. God, that you would use all of the medicines, the wisdom even imparted to doctors and nurses, all the technology that's available, that they might be be able to leave that hospital, that by faith, God, we pray that they would walk out healed and strengthened with a testimony of your faithfulness. Stand as a testimony of your protection, and they'll have a testimony of your protection where you would get all the glory for the great things you have done in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks, Pastor. All right, man. Bye-bye. Pastor Josh. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Let's go over to Aurora now. Phil, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, like, like, uh, I'm mentoring a young man in a youth group at my church, and um, we're going to go. We're going through the Book of Romans, and uh, I just want to make sure I had a couple things cleared up. Um, one was the original sin. Uh, so, um, are we condemned by the sin of Adam? I mean, um, and our sin that we commit during our life, or just, um, or just the sin of Adam and Eve, or do you, do you follow what I'm kind of asking there? I do. I think the, let, let's clarify. We're, we're not condemned because of the sin of Adam. We're condemned because of our own sin. And we're condemned of our own sin in at least two ways. One, uh, what you refer to as original sin, that when Adam and Eve came together and produced children, they only produced, because one sinner connected with another sinner, they could only produce little sinners. And so every human being, through Adam and Eve's lineage, which would include you and me, every human being has been born with a sin nature. So we can't necessarily blame Adam and Eve in that we're responsible for our own sin. Um, We're going to answer and be forgiven for our own sin, um, not for the sin of Adam and Eve. They just plunge humanity with the gift of life. That life has been born in sin, number one. And number two, we're also condemned because of our acts of sin. Uh, and so because we were born in with a sinful nature, then our activities are then also sin. And we are accountable for not only the nature of sin, but also the acts of sin. And the answer to all of sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And that would be my very simple, abbreviated explanation of the origin of sin. Do you have anything to add? And then, you know, Paul, Paul in Romans, of course, uh, lays out the whole process that the way God takes care of our original sin is through the act of justification. Uh, so he removes it from us when we put our faith and trust in Christ. The way that God takes care of our acts of sin, as Pastor Ed said, is through a process called sanctification. And so that's where he's making us more and more like Jesus. And then, of course, wonderfully, someday he's going to remove the presence of sin from our lives uh, in what's called glorification, where there will be no more sin nature. So we're no longer held accountable for our sin nature because we're in Christ, those of us that have put our faith and trust in him. We still sin, uh, and God is working that out in us as as he's sanctifying us. And then someday on the other side of eternity, sin will be forever uh, rid from our lives, and we'll have no more sin nature. Okay, I think that I think that clears it up. I, I also had another uh, quick thing. Um, so uh, in the Old Testament, they were my understanding is that they were saved by faith in the coming Messiah, and um, and today we're saved by faith in the Messiah Jesus Christ. And um, 
But uh, what was the purpose of the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament? Yeah, the purpose of the animal sacrifices were at least twofold. One was by prescription of God. God required them. Uh, and so in response of worship to God, we, when God prescribes worship, our only valid response is to follow God's prescription. However, there's a greater, um, there's a greater picture of the lamb that was offered because the Lamb of God, that the sacrifice that was given on the altar, at, especially on the Day of Atonement, um, the offering that was given was pointing by typology to the coming Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world, like you just described. In the Old Covenant, they were looking forward to Messiah. In the New Covenant, we're looking back on Messiah. And one of the ways of looking forward to the Messiah was the sacrificial system. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. I mean, that question has great—both of your questions have some real deep um, significance throughout the Scriptures, um, which is why we teach through the Bible verse by verse in the Old Testament, because it, as we went through Leviticus and we see the offerings and the feasts uh, and the worship that God prescribes, there's so much meaning in the offerings, and so much of the offerings, whether it's the burnt offering, the wave offering, point directly our pictures and types of Jesus Christ, but especially the Lamb, um, especially the sacrifice each year on the Day of Atonement, where the sins would be covered, kafar, but not removed like in the New Covenant. Okay, so because it was prescribed, because God told them, told them to have animal sacrifices, and because it pointed to the Messiah. Yeah, it was. It would be their their response to the direction of God. Jesus would say it later on. He says, "If you love me, keep my commandments." And so the signs of a new a new uh, the signs of a relationship with God. One of the most important signs is to look for obedience. Um, but the significance of the sacrifices were far greater than obedience. They were types and pictures of the coming of Messiah. I've heard of something like it's a covering. It was a covering for sin, and, and Jesus, Jesus says, like, removed our, our sin. That's correct. Yes, Jesus has removed our sin, so no longer he is the sacrifice once for all delivered for the saints. Whereas uh, in Judaism, in the Old Covenant, the high priest would go in once a year and spread blood on the mercy seat of the sacrificial lamb. Um, and that mercy seat, we learn again, all the furniture, everything about the tabernacle and the temple were all pictures and types of Jesus Christ. All right. Excellent. Well, that, that helps a lot. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Hey, and by the way, thank, thank you for stepping in to being used of God to disciple a young man in your youth group. Um, I, I just thank you for that. The Lord uh, is using you and... I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not your dad or anything, but I want to say this. I think you need to hear it. I'm proud of you for taking on that responsibility. Well, I, I just hope God will use it, you know, for his kingdom. He will, and he is. Trust me, and trust him. God bless okay. you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. We'll try to take this call. We have a couple minutes left. Ray in Atlanta, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate uh, it. Thank you, Ray. We only have a couple minutes, but I saw your question uh, from the screener, and I want to make sure that we 
address it as, as thorough as we can in just the few minutes we have? Well, basically it was uh, the revelation of knowledge. Uh, my wife passed cancer nine months ago. Sorry. And you guys have prayed for her the year before. Yes. The point being, um, could she have got a revelation the last two days? Uh, she sat up. She wasn't cognizant. I prayed. She woke up. She was, I believe I'm going home. Mm. Uh, God oh, okay. has told me I'm going home. And, of course, I was floored naturally. I uh, thought she would be healed miraculously. Yes. Uh, so uh, your Christian colleague said, look at Stephen in the book of Acts. He saw heaven open up. So mm. he knew he was going to heaven. He wasn't yes. going to survive the stoning. The second question was basically, uh, it was mesothelioma. It was from the talcum powder Yes, she used for years. Uh, so we're submitting a mesothelioma claim. Is it right for a Christian to sue a corporation, yeah. wrongful death, what have you? Uh, do you believe as Christians, it's not an individual, it's a corporation. Yeah. Do you believe as Christians we could do that? Yes, I do. I can answer that right away. You can hold someone accountable for their behavior, um, in this case a corporation, uh, for ex- um, accelerating the death of your wife, yes. Way too young for this. Way too and young. And I, I didn't know my wife would be a victim of baby powder. I'm sorry. Uh, 35, 40 years of usage. You don't take anything of it. And the last question was... Uh, I, we're, we're out of... I'm sorry, Ray. Can you, If you can call back tomorrow, we can spend a little bit more time, but we're down to seconds on the show. Lord, be with my brother, uh, Ray. Encourage him. Strengthen him. And help him in this great grief, but also so many decisions to make. In Jesus' name, amen. We're down to 10 seconds. Thanks, Josh. Great to be with you, Ed. Glad you made it today. And uh, bless you guys. Lord willing, we'll be there tomorrow. Uh, Tune in, same station, same time. Love to interact with you. Uh, Point you to the Lord. Worship Jesus together. See you at church tonight. CalvaryCO.Church, 7 p.m. Mountain. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.